0: Well, we are in, uh, we're going to be in Isaiah 63 tonight, but we left off last week in, in chapter 62, uh, we saw, uh, you know, the Lord setting up his kingdom, and we saw, you know, what was going to happen with Israel, but basically Israel would look and see their king, and, and, um, and the world would look and see, wow, look, he kept his promise. And I'm going to read a couple of verses from chapter 62 to give it some context. Isaiah 62, verse 11. It Behold, the Lord has proclaimed to the end of the earth, say to the daughter of Zion, Lo, your salvation comes. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. And they will call them the holy people, the redeemed of the Lord. And you will be called sought out—a city not forsaken. Um, remember, we talked about that. but basically, the world was going to look at, at, you know, at Jerusalem, at, at Israel, at the, the Jews—these people that have, uh, you know, been displaced and, and mistreated over the centuries—and they're going to look and see that that's no longer the case. That God is with them. That um, you know, that his, He kept His promise. Uh, But before the whole world can look at Jerusalem and say they are not forsaken, that God kept His promise, something has to happen first. Jesus has to actually return to make all that stuff happen. i am still a little loud. Uh, But we believe that um, here, we believe that uh, before He returns, He's going to first rapture His church. Uh, That means that... uh, Christians will be caught up and, and be with him. And there's a lot of debate about how long and when things happen, but, um, you know, if you've been with us throughout this study, you know, we've, we've talked about all kinds of different theories. But we, around here, we believe that um, that'll happen, you know, either before or right at the beginning of uh, this seven-year period, referred to as the Tribulation or the, uh, uh, the Day of the time of Jacob's trouble, or, you know, it's got all these different names. Um, at the end of that, Jesus comes back, sets up his kingdom, uh, and, and finally that, you know, that prayer that we pray, that, you know, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that'll actually come to pass. So, in between, uh, you know, the, the day of wrath, or that seven-year period, um, between, um Jesus' kingdom being set up, Uh, basically our focus in chapter 63 is going to be all the stuff that happens right before he sets up his kingdom. I know that was really confusing, but just wanted to kind of give us some context before we get into it. Let's go ahead and pray and we'll we'll dig into it. Lord, we thank you this evening for uh, giving us a place to gather together, uh, that we can uh, worship freely, uh, without fear of persecution that you've preserved your word for us. We can look into it and see how your plan has unrolled unrolled throughout the, the centuries. Uh, Lord, we just pray tonight that you'd help us understand it, understand your word and understand you better. Um, if we get it right, help us to apply it and, and, and live it out. Uh, what we get wrong, Lord, we just pray we wipe that from our minds and replace it with a deal to come back and, and try again and, and learn more and, and get to know you better we we'll pray for your uh, blessing on the message the of Jesus. Okay. Alright. So yeah, we called this The Boss's Back. Is, we're going to teach some stuff about how Jesus returned. returns. Well, Isaiah 63, verse 1. Is there any track lights on? Yeah. Like, I can't read. It's too- Well, I guess I'll read in the book. All right. Isaiah 63, verse 1. Who is this who comes from Edom? Um, which That's just another name for what is, today is modern-day Jordan. Now we're sending the white back. Okay. okay. All right. Uh, who is this who comes from Edom or Jordan? Um, With garments of glowing colors from Basra. Alright, so Basra is, uh, of course, that's a, we still use that term today. That's a, a real place. But it, that word, it means sheepfold. Uh, and it, it describes this area around um, Petra. Uh, which if you remember, earlier in Isaiah, we talked about that little area of Petra. It's this fortified city where uh, the people of God, are in the last days, are going to flee there to to get away from the Antichrist. They, so they're, they're being persecuted, they run to a place where they can kind of hole up and uh, uh, that place is Tetra. If you've seen um, that Indiana Jones and is it the Last Crusade, uh, there's a, a scene in that movie where the, there's a city carved into the side of a mountain. That's Tetra. That's the real place. Right? They filmed that uh, there in Tetra. Anyway, he says, uh, With garments of glowing colors from Basra, this one who is majestic in his apparel, marching in the greatness of his strength, it is I who speak in righteousness, mighty the Spirit. So, before Jesus makes his appearance at uh, Megiddo, which is this valley, you've heard of Armageddon, right? Um, it's not just a movie about an asteroid. Armageddon is this it, it, battle that takes place in the valley of Negede. Um, And before he makes his appearance there, Habakkuk 3 and Daniel 11 tell us that he first is going to rescue or deliver these Jews who are holed up in Tetra, Um, And so he says here, who is this? who comes from Eden with garments of glowing colors from Basra. This one who is majestic in his apparel, marching in the greatness of his strength. It is I who speak in righteousness, mighty to save. Verse 2. Why is your apparel red and your garment like the one who treads in the wine cell? So this, this one that comes from Basra, mighty to save, his clothes are red. And, it's, and the author says, why are your clothes red? He's been treading the grapes of wrath. Remember that song, The Battle Hymn of the Republic? Uh, uh, Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. Uh, He's trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. And that whole song is is about this this set of events. Verse 3, it says, I have trodden the wine uh, trough alone. And from the peoples there was no man with me. I also trod them in my anger and trampled them in my wrath, and their lifeblood is sprinkled on my garments, and I stained all my limbs. Jesus says, I went uh, I went alone and did battle on behalf of my people. This is the stuff that feels strange, right? When we talk about Jesus, we we like to think of gentle, merciful, loving Jesus. You know, Jesus sitting with a lamb in his lap and that kind of stuff. And that is, he is that, uh, but he's also the God of, uh, you know, of all creation, the God who uh, said he would have to pour out wrath eventually, and, and eventually he will. He says, he, you know, he, he shows up, he's been tre- uh, treading the grapes of wrath. Micah chapter 2 uh, says this, verse 12. It says, I will surely assemble all of you, Jacob. I will surely gather the remnant of Israel, and I will put them together like sheep in the, what? In the fold. I will gather them together like sheep in the fold, like a flock in the midst of its pastures. They will be noisy with men, and the breaker goes before them. Depending on your translation, that word breaker may or may not be capitalized, because usually a a word that's capitalized that doesn't seem like it should be, that means it's referring to deity, it's referring to God. And the breaker is another name for God, another another name for the Lord, that's what he does, he breaks chains, he breaks down walls, He, 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 uh, he frees captives. A breaker goes before them. They break out, pass through the gate, and go out by it. So their king goes on before them, and the Lord is at their end. Okay, Isaiah verse 4, he says, For the day of vengeance was in my heart, and my year of redemption. Okay, so we don't like thinking of Jesus in this way, but that's, we can't pick and choose what we're going to believe. Right? That's The cafeteria Christianity is is a false uh, Christianity. Uh, Jesus says, You know, you're saved by trusting in me for eternal life. We like that part. And then he says, One day I'll return and pour out wrath on the world. We don't like that part. Um, It's all in there. Revelation 14, actually, when we get to the end of the book, right? We get to the end of the Bible. Uh, It talks about these same events. Revelation 14, verse 14. Then I looked, and behold, a white cloud, and sitting on the cloud, was one like a son of man, having a golden crown on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. And another angel came out of the temple, crying out with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud. Put in your sickle and reap, for the hour to reap has come. He the harvest of the earth is ripe. Then he he sat on the clouds, swung his sickle over the earth, and the earth was reaped. And another angel came out of the temple, which is in heaven, and he also had a sharp sickle. Now remember, in Revelation, most of this is a vision that John saw, right? And so he's doing his best to describe events that are, there's nothing like it that's ever happened or ever will, right? Except, uh, so... I don't think it's literal sickles and all that stuff, but maybe. Uh, Verse 18, it says, Then another angel, the one who has power over fire, came out from the altar. And he called with a loud voice to him who had the sharp sickle, saying, Put in your sharp sickle and gather the clusters from the vine of the earth, because her grapes are ripe. So the angel swung his sickle to the earth and gathered the clusters from the vine of the earth and threw them into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the wine press was trodden outside the city. The city didn't solve Blood came out from the wine press up to the horse's bridle for a distance of two hundred miles. So when this uh, when these grapes of wrath are, are spread on, it says that the, the blood can reaches up to the bridle of a horse for two hundred miles just so happens that it's roughly 200 miles from Basra to negative. Like that valley that, where Armageddon happens, it's not just one place, right? This valley is a, a vast area, and it's 200 miles from Basra to where Armageddon happens. Jesus is going to walk and he's going to be blessed. Fighting against the enemies of Isaiah 53, verse 5. I looked, and there was no one to help. Me. And I was astonished, and there was no one to uphold. So my own arm brought salvation to me, and my wrath upheld me. And I trod down the peoples in my anger and made them drunk in my wrath, and I poured out their life blood on the earth. Basically, what's going on is in all of... All the stuff that we, man, has built up, you know, all the things we've built out, out of self-centeredness and self-absorbed selfishness, all of those things, he's just going to tear down. And he says he does the work alone. He says, I did this all by myself, but he is not by himself. Right? He's doing all the work, but he's not alone. Revelation 19, verse 11. I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it is called faithful and true, and in righteousness he judges and wages war. His eyes are a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written on him which no one knows except himself. Remember we talked about that, was it last week or the week before, about how God? Has a Jesus is going to give you a you know a pet name you know a nickname that only you and he will know. Jesus apparently has another name that only he knows. I don't know what, what is it like Fred I don't know, I don't know what, he, what his name is. But he has this name that uh, we'll find out then. Verse 13 it says that he is clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which are in heaven. Clothed in fine linen, white and clean, was following him on white horses. Who would that army be? That's the church. Remember the church was taken up to be with him? We're told elsewhere in the scripture that uh, we're clothed in, in white linen. It's, it's our, the work we did, you know, the good stuff that we did for him, uh, is, is part of what we're clothed in. And again, to reference an old song, remember uh, "Oh, when the saints Still marching in," I want to be in that number oh, when the saints go marching in. That's, we're we're there, right? We're we're going to be there at the battle, but we just don't have anything to do. But what? Uh, the armies which are in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him on white horses. And I love that. Look, we're we're dressed in all white because we don't expect to get dirty because it's not going to be us doing the work. Verse 15, from his mouth comes a sharp sword, so that with it he may strike down the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron, and he threads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God the Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun and he cried out with a loud voice saying to all the birds which fly in mid-heaven come assemble for the great supper of God so that you may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of commanders and the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of horses and those who sit on them and the flesh of all men both free and slaves and small and great. So when Jesus It's going to take on a million-man army. Where do the bodies go? That's the part. The birds are going to come take care of the cunots. Verse 19, And I saw the beasts and the kings of the earth and their armies assembled to make war against him. He sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast was seized and with him the false prophet. He performed the signs in his presence. By which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image, these two were thrown alive into the lake of fire which burns with brimstone. The rest were killed with the sword which came from the mouth of him who sat on the horse, and all the birds were filled with their flesh. So how does Jesus wipe out this this, uh, this army? is it's a sword that comes from his mouth, the word of God, right? He, he just speaks in a vision. Because the, the Antichrist and the false prophet is thrown into a place of fire and, and when all that's going on. Anyway, so there's all this crazy apocalyptic stuff going on, and Isaiah is getting a vision, a glimpse of all this stuff, too. And he responds to this vision uh thusly, Isaiah 63, verse 7. It says, I shall make mention of the loving kindnesses of the Lord, the praises of the Lord, according to all that the Lord has granted us, and the great goodness toward the house of Israel, which he has granted them, according to his compassion and according to the abundance of his loving kindness. For he said, surely they are my people sons who will not deal falsely. So he became their Savior. In all their affliction, he was afflicted. And the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and in his mercy, he redeemed them. And he lifted them and carried them all the days of old. So we read this stuff about, you know, blood and horses and people dying and birds eating. Bodies and all that, it's horrific. Right? And it's, you think well, that doesn't, you know, it doesn't jive with our idea of who Jesus is. But remember, this is a father uh, fighting off the enemy from his children. If someone was attacking your child, what would you do? How merciful would you seem in the moment? This is this is the Lord coming back, you know, taking care of His kids. But it says in all their affliction, He was afflicted. And just reminded, remember when uh, when Paul or Saul uh, has his encounter with Jesus, and Jesus says. Saul, so why do you persecute Paul Saul was going around persecuting Christians, but he had never met Jesus. He said, well, how, did I, how did I persecute you? Another time Jesus makes the, the distinction a little clearer for us. In Matthew 25, verse 34, it says, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed of my Father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry, and feed you, or thirsty, and give you something to drink? And when did we see you a stranger and invite you in or naked and close you? When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Truly I say to you. To the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. It's something to keep in mind, you know, when we're when we're talking about someone you know, we're, we're having them for lunch, you know, talking about somebody behind their back, when we're mistreating someone, uh, that that is a child of the king, the, the king who will one day make sure uh, all justice is had. Sometimes uh, when my kids are disrespectful to their mom. Um, I'll grab them and I'll, you know, remind them that that's my wife you're talking to. You know, she was my wife before she was your mom. And sometimes I need to remember that uh, she was Jesus' beloved before she was my wife. Right? Uh, anytime we mistreat someone, Jesus says, You you're not just doing it to them. You're doing it to me. Those my kids. Isaiah 53, verse 10. He says, But they uh, they rebelled and grieved His Holy Spirit. Therefore, He turned Himself to become their enemy. He fought against them. So he's talking about Israel. And he says, you know, that whenever anything, you know, whenever they were mistreated, He felt that. He was mistreated. You know, when they were afflicted, He was afflicted. But here, he says, they rebelled to the point that he turned himself against them, he fought against them. Israel rejected her king, and, and things have not gone well for them since that happened. And now, you know, he he made promises to them and so he, he never allowed them to be completely wiped out, but they have had a rough go of it. For sure. uh, verse 11 it says, Then his people remembered the days of old, of Moses, where Uh, Where is he who brought them up out of the sea with the shepherds of his flock? Where is he who put his Holy Spirit in the midst of them? Who caused his glorious arm to go to the right hand of Moses? Who divided the waters before them to make for himself an everlasting name? Who led them through the depths like the horse in the wilderness? And they did not stumble. As the cattle which go down into the valley, the Spirit of the Lord gave them rest. So you led your people to make for yourself a glorious name. Look down from heaven and see from your holy and glorious habitation. Where are your zeal and your mighty deeds? The stirrings of your heart and your compassion are restrained So this is Israel crying out. They're like, you know, where is the God who delivered us from Egypt. Where's the God who parted the sea when we're going through these hard times? During some of the worst times, they, they wondered if God had forsaken them completely. You know, it was only you know, 70, 70, 80 years ago when uh, the Holocaust happened, and I'm sure there were many Jews who wondered, where is our God? He allowed them to go through some terrible times, but he always preserved a remnant. He always made sure they weren't completely wiped off the face of the earth. And many people are going to wonder why he isn't intervening during this, this tribulation period. But some people, some of uh, some of the Jews are going to look around, they're going to see all this stuff happening, and they're going to say, this was foretold told us this would happen, and specifically that Jesus that we crucified said this would happen, and they're going to believe in their king finally. Verse 16, For you are our Father, though Abraham does not know us and Israel does not recognize us, you, O Lord, are our Father, our redeemer from of old is in you know, Abraham wouldn't even recognize us as his descendants. We strayed so far that you know Abraham wouldn't even recognize us as being his descendants. But you, God, know us to be yours. Psalm 27, verse 10. I love this verse. says that even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me full. Even if everyone I know forsakes me, uh, he will not. And when it seems like maybe that's the case, when it seems like, I, you know, God, where are you? He's right there. He's, he's waiting for us to turn back to him. He, he, he didn't go anywhere. He's not lost. Isaiah 63, verse 17. It says, Why, O oh Lord, do you cause us to stray from your ways? Let me read that again. Why, O oh Lord, do you cause us to stray from your ways and harden our hearts from fearing? That's like one of the most narcissistic things you can say. Right? You made me do it. Why did you make me do the bad thing I just did? That's what Israel is, is crying out here. Why, O oh Lord, do you cause us to stray from your ways and harden our heart from you? Return for the sake of your servants, the tribes of your heritage. Your holy people possessed your sanctuary. For a little while, our adversaries have trodden it down. And we have become like those over whom you have never ruled. Like those who uh, were not called by your name, they're saying, "Why have you allowed me to have my own way?" As we get into the next chapter, uh, we're not going to get into it tonight. Uh, it's going to be um, a little bit more of the heavy stuff, and, and we start to see how all of this kind of it resolves itself, but. It's at this point, right, Israel is, is crying out to their God. They're like, "We're in terrible shape. How did you let us get this way? How did you let me have my own way? And look how bad it turned out." Sometimes I'm, I feel like that like when I look uh, at, uh, you know, when I, I don't know, made bad decisions or just been in a, a negative headspace for a while. I'm like, how did I get like this? How did, you know, how did God, how did you allow me to, you know, do what I want to do and get in trouble? Revelation 2, verse 2, you see Jesus addressing some of the very kinds of things in the church. He says this, he says, I know all the things to do. I've seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You've examined the claims of those who say they are apostles but are not, and you've discovered their life. So I know that you read and, you know, I know that you know some stuff. I know that you do some good things. Verse 3, you have patiently suffered for me without quitting, but I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did it first. Look how far you've gone. So what's the solution? Because turn back to me. And do the work you did it first. But whenever you're in that spot where you um how did I get here? The answer is always the same. How doesn't matter. What I, what what comes next is what matters. What comes next is turn back to me and do what you did it first. when you were when things were going right. Do that. Turn back to me. So we're gonna like I said we're as we close out this book over the next few weeks we're gonna see some more. Um, dark imagery, but remember that all of this is uh, done with love, and with uh, everything that happens in those end times is all about bringing people back to the Lord, giving everyone one last chance, giving His people one more opportunity to trust Him, one more chance to come back to Him. You know, we don't, we're never promised another day or another breath but if you are alive right now and you've got breath in your lungs, you have another opportunity uh, to turn back to him and draw you. Well, we thank you this evening for giving us just a, a glimpse into what is to come. We don't uh, pretend to understand all of it, uh, but we're thankful that, uh, that you've made a way that we can be with you for eternity. Or as, as we mentioned the song earlier, we want to be in that number and the saints again. We want to be there with you. Um, and we we'll pray for anyone that don't have a relationship with you yet, that they would uh, take this opportunity now to trust you, that you are who you say you are, and that you can give them eternal life just by trusting you. Uh, just by them trusting you. And we thank you that you love us much more than we can understand. We just pray for your will to be done in our lives here on earth, as it is in heaven. you come and kind of accomplish sure. all right, Ready? Great.